You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is Ben Wolf, your host as always. Uh, I am very pleased to introduce our guest today, uh, who is going to speak about how not to fall apart in a business growth spurt. Uh, our guest today, among other things that I'm about to introduce, is also a fractional COO and member of uh, the Fractional Leadership Association uh, that we're so proud of founding. And definitely, if anybody else out there is in this fractional executive leadership space, whether marketing, sales, operations, finance, some technology, something else, HR, legal, customer experience, et cetera, if you're in the fractional executive leadership space, taking on executive roles with clients, uh, whether firm, solo practitioner, firm owner, firm member, uh, check out fractionalleadership.io, the fractional leadership community. Uh, you can meet great people like our guest today, who is a fractional COO uh, through her firm, Sheba Consulting. Uh, she previously served as COO and general manager at multiple uh, international and VC-backed organizations. Uh, you can find out more about her and her firm at shebaconsulting.com, S-H-E-B-A, consulting.com. And with that, I welcome uh, Adi Vaxman. Welcome, Adi. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. And I second that Fractional Leadership Association invitation. It's a great group of people um, to kind of share ideas with. And I love being sort of a mentor to younger folks on the group. Yeah, awesome. And, and you definitely do have very extensive experience. And, and anybody would be would be lucky to uh, to have some time with you, whether as a group conversation at one of our events or uh, or one-on-one, etc. So definitely appreciate you having having you in the community. And, and I guess with that, talking about this topic of how not to fall apart in a business growth spurt, I guess if you could quickly just give us like a two-minute background on yourself, like how we got to be talking about this. Okay, cool. So um, I was born and raised in Israel and uh, been in tech for about seven to 10 years before I moved to the States. That was 25 years ago, um, studied a whole bunch of different things that are really helpful to me today. But at the time, I didn't know they were going to be helpful. Like I have a degree in psychology, kind of a weird thing, um, and in computer science, and then came here and did my MBA and PhD in Cornell. Um, um, what's your PhD in? Business. <laughs> operations, wow. finance operations and growth. That is wild. Um, wow. Super impressive. Congratulations. leadership, technically. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, don't advertise it. Uh, believe it or not, it used to be a stumbling block on my resume years ago mm-hmm. when I was uh, a young uh, mm-hmm. uh, executive. And um, I've served on various um, operations and the COO roles, mostly in tech. Most of my background was in tech um, and started Sheba Consulting in 2009. Um, so quite a long time ago, we celebrated our 13th birthday this year. But I did not take it full time until about 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sort of doing it on the side while, while I was doing COO roles for full time for different organizations. And then realized when I was working for a really large organization, about 200 million in revenues, that um, about 80% of my time is spent doing things that more junior people can do with the right guidance. And it was sort of a mm-hmm. aha moment for me because I'm like, I could be doing this for many companies. I could be helping other entrepreneurs. I really love doing that. I've always been 
you know, that person that younger entrepreneurs come to for help and advice. And I really like doing that. A lot of Israeli startups, because that was sort of my pond, were coming to me for help and um, decided to take the company full time, um, hired my first employee. And fast forward to today, we are now, there's eight of us. And we do fractional COO, fractional fractional CHRO or CPO, people officer, and fractional CTO, which is my partner side of the business. Um, and we have a support team as well that does all the back office HR, recruiting, um, just a support um, function that I found to be very helpful. So one of our main things that we do is really focus on growth of companies. And um, I call them growth spurts. It's sort of a term that I sort of coined um, being a long time ago, a young mother and going through my babies and my children's growth spurts that, you know, throw the whole house into kind of a chaotic situation where everything has to change um, just to kind of keep up with it. And I realized that business growth is very much the same. And since then I've been gone through, through it for probably about a hundred companies. Um, yeah learned a lot. And as I'm sure you know, in the fractional business, you learn at a very accelerated rate. Um, unlike just sitting at one company, you learn, but you don't learn as fast and you don't learn as much as you do when you do fractional for multiple industries, multiple businesses, multiple sizes, multiple types of personalities and um, different fields. And so that's kind of my story. And I love helping companies grow. And I love um, my team and I really like getting involved in companies at these stages because it gives us an opportunity to really make an impact for them and um, help them get from a point A to point B that is usually a very emotional, scary kind of roller coaster ride. Right. Well, let, let's let's sit in this idea before we get to like you know survival and tools and and uh, solutions. Let's like sit for a minute in the challenge, right? What what exactly is a, you know you already you actually gave a great introduction already to the beginning of this, but what is a growth spurt? How do you define that term? Like, isn't that good news? Like, we love it when our children grow and have growth spurts. Like, you know, why that's not something that would kill you, you might think. So, uh, it could. so <laughs> yeah. So, so how, so? how how is it that that's something that could kill you and or like, let's just like sit in the problem or define the issue so people can see themselves in it before we talk about solutions. So I would say, um, to the you know, what defines a growth spurt, like it's a period of rapid growth in a business that could be in workload and revenues and number of clients and in, in sales and in user acquisition, like it depending, depends on what the company is doing. Um, and yes, it is great news, but just like a baby or a toddler's growth spurt, when a business goes through a growth spurt, it could be chaotic, it could be difficult, it could be very overwhelming, it could be scary for the business owner, and it needs to be addressed appropriately to make it through to the other side so that you're prepared for the next one. Because just like children, companies want to keep growing um, and should keep growing. And so growth in terms of sales, profitability, uh, you know, whether it's share values or whatever, it's all really great news, but the growing pains that facilitate this development can have uh, a bad impact on your business and can often choke many business founders, as we've seen. And in order to scale to the next level, business owners have to make some challenging 
decisions and take it seriously. And it's often um, a roadblock to their effective growth. Right. So I guess I'd like to dive into a little bit like why, you know, what, what is it about, about these challenges with, with fast growth that cause, that cause people to potentially fail or go through tons of pain? You know, I, I think of this quote by Bill Hewlett, the co-founder of Hewlett Packard, uh, who says, or who said that more companies die of indigestion than starvation. Uh, <laughs> so what, you know, eating too much rather than not having enough. So uh, why do these growth spurts create so much chaos, so much pain, and so much danger? So I can see what he meant. Um, I think for companies like HP, this could mean different issues at different scale. But in our world of smaller businesses, we typically see more businesses suffer from, I would say, emotional blocks more than indigestion, although I've seen that as well. It's certainly more common than starvation, right? It's certainly more common than they're failing because they can't make any money. Entrepreneurs and business owners obviously have some kind of ability and vision that got them to a stage of having a product or a service that sells. But often it is their own emotional ties or restricted mindset. In what way? What, What are some of those emotional blocks or restrictions or mindsets? Um, so I would say some of the most common examples that we see um, in in companies that are sort of hindering their own growth. The first one is probably when there is misalignment between founders and owners or partners. So very common that we see that there's misalignment, you know, in the vision, in the execution, um, in how to do things. That's one area that we see companies get stuck on. Um, Another area that companies get stuck on is um, when they only recognize the need to bring on experienced help to handle the growth when they're already drowning. So when things are already chaotic and damage is already caused, and I, I can give some examples of that. And I would say another very, very common thing that we see, um, unfortunately, more often than we want to see is that especially businesses that don't that are not startups that have been around for a long time and they bring on a team with them and they have a hard time restructuring or sometimes parting with certain team members that are hindering their growth that are that are in their way that are not able to grow with them to the extent that they want to grow with them or that are not able to to help take them to the next level and change in general is a very difficult and sometimes anxiety causing thing for business owners. And a lot of them are just too scared to make the changes that are, that are necessary in order to facilitate the growth. And it's the, and again, I'll go back to my kind of baby example, right? You can't keep a 10 year old in a crib because the crib is going to (laughs) break. So it's really the same kind of situation. You have to kind of, you really have to be have the flexibility of mind to make the changes to put to put in the infrastructure to invest in the growing company for it not to fall apart. Is that why you 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 told me once that only about three percent of the people who come to you do so before things start falling apart? Is that the yeah, reason why? That is. Um, True. So, you know, the, the why is a good question. I think it, you know, d- depending on the time, but it's probably less than 3%. Um, 
Um, it is a rare occurrence when clients seek our help as a proactive measure to manage their growth. It's usually, those are, by the way, the best case scenarios, because when we get to plan ahead, when we get to create a solid foundation and implement the systems and the processes before we have a major problem to solve, it's obviously easier and it's obviously faster to do than you're trying to fly the plane while you're fixing the burning engine. So it's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to do that. However, most clients do come to us for help when they are um, in trouble and they've already exhausted other options and they're coming to us to kind of save them from crashing. And if I had to guess, the reason for this is mostly financial. Business owners have a difficult time uh, setting aside a significant chunk of their revenues or profit to deal with a problem they don't yet have, um, right. or they simply don't see it coming. And they believe that they can handle it when it becomes too much very quickly, and then they can't handle it. As much as I wish more businesses would be proactive coming to us before the train's about to hit a brick wall, those that are in trouble are more interesting, challenging, and rewarding for us to resolve, although they do take, um, and that's sort of a warning for business owners, they do take significantly longer and the investment is higher to get to the same place as you know, versus whether you you um, uh, come proactively and try to create the infrastructure before you have a problem. Right. Now I could, I compare that with people to like driving along the highway at sixty five miles an hour or trying to repair the engine. Yeah, that's you yeah. That's exactly. It's very hard. It's not. It's not easy. <laughs> Um, very hard then it often it leads to blame games and it leads to you know founders having issues between themselves and things like that like it's definitely more advisable for them to get the help and put into infrastructure right. before this happens and that does happen occasionally although not right. enough what would you say is the difference between, I guess, the kind of growth spurts or the kind of challenges or mindset changes that that people need, you know, that people are going through now? Because look, you've been in you've been in Shiba Consulting since two thousand nine. You've been doing uh, executive leadership for a lot longer than that, even. So, uh, I guess, have you seen any changes or differences in uh, the types of challenges or the type of growth spurts that people are having now versus maybe ten or fifteen years ago? So I would say two things. One, yes, you're right. I've been doing this for over 30 years. So yes, a lot of things have changed in 30 years. Um, there is a difference in the type of challenges. I think our world is faster now. Everything is faster now and everything, um, it, it's it's positive and it's negative at the same time, right? So the challenges could come on faster. The growth comes on faster sometimes than before. And they need to put in less effort to bring it on in some types of businesses than they had to before because of access to technology, to tools, to the internet, to marketing, to things that they didn't have before. But they also have, in my opinion, more off, more access to solutions um, like fractional leadership that were not widely popular or available at all, you know, a decade or two decades ago. When I started the company in 2009, um, the term fractional leadership didn't even exist then. There were outsourced CFOs and maybe your occasional CMO, but it was not a mainstream type thing. So take that and add to that this remote work revolution that COVID helped speed up. Look, we've been managing remote and hybrid teams that didn't have that name, but we've been doing it for over a decade. But COVID made it a lot more accessible, simpler, more widely acceptable than before. 
to have your leadership team and your employees and other people on your team offsite or really anywhere. And so that alone provides companies with access to solutions and resources that they didn't have access to before. And in addition to that, like I said, everything moves faster, moves faster now. So people have access to technology tools, analytics tools, HR information systems, project management tools, time tracking, billing, e-commerce tools that they didn't have to do before. If in the past, a person, you know, a company had to develop their own e-commerce system in order to sell something online. Now there are a thousand solutions um, that are accessible, that are affordable, that are there for them that they can use to really quickly get up to speed. And that yeah. that wasn't available yeah. to them before. Yeah, no, that's amazing, right? Uh, right, to be able to manage that growth, I mean, so much more easily. I mean, with those, yeah, it really, it really is amazing. It really democ. Uh, it, it is just really, really miraculous in a way. Just how much it democratized access to access to entrepreneurialism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to be able to build a company to go on your own, you didn't have to, you know. Like you used to have to 20 years ago, you'd have to like, you know, you'd have to have tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to spend on an ERP like just SAP. Exactly. You were just reminding me of that, that the only things, only systems we had were SAP or Oracle yeah. or, yeah. and it took forever to implement these things. And I yeah, remember huge implementations. Salesforce first came out. When Salesforce first came out, I remember. And now that's the most expensive one. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Like all these tools that it, it it used to be that it would take us months and years to select, implement, train um, employees, and and just really and the scale the you have to be to be able to be even afford to do to that. Afford it, yes, it correct. Prohibitive to 99 percent uh, of the small businesses. businesses. Yep, yeah. that's correct. And these days, everything's right out there. All you have to do yeah. is choose the tool. And a lot of them have a free version, you know, like you could start off with free HubSpot, you know, free, free, you know, one of these things, but yeah, it's amazing. But you know what I'm finding surprising? That's maybe because me and my team are all coming from a tech background and we are very, everybody's very tech savvy and super, super system, you know, kind of agnostic and love systems. I am finding that more business owners than I would like to see are not even considering these things and are still doing things manually like we're in the 1950s. And and that drives me crazy. When yeah. I see that- Oh, we need I, another spreadsheet and another spreadsheet. <laughs> exactly. And another, oh, let's track this with that spreadsheet. With no formulas. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, at least if the spreadsheet's on Google Sheets or something, then at least everyone can have access to the same file, but nope. not even that, right? Nope. Oh my gosh. The, the, you, you mentioned before a lot of examples, like, I guess let's start to get the solutions here, right? What, what are some of the ways that people can shift mindsets? Cause maybe it sounds like that's one of the major causes, not like a technical challenge, but more of a personal challenge uh, that people are standing in their own way. So what are some of the, I guess, examples of ways that you've seen people stand in their own way, causing their own pain of growth spurts uh, you know, and, and, and what they could do, what they could do about it. I guess top couple of, of, of advices or pieces of advice, maybe would be more grammatically correct to, uh, to say, uh, you know, to say to people who are suffering in a growth spurt. So, okay. I'll start with some, um, I'll start with some bad examples, right? <laughs> we, uh, very often see clients coming to us when they've tried different things. Um, 
different leadership options, some consulting options, and, and they're still stuck. In some situations, we see business owners and leadership teams stuck in, like again, the 1950s when it comes to their employees. They, and that's the one of the biggest mindset issues that I see. They feel they own the employee. They believe their employees or even their leadership team members are theirs to do it as they please. They think they're there to tell them what to do. They make little to no investment in the well-being and the morale and the culture of the companies. Um, and they try to spend as little as possible. This is a very, very antiquated approach. And it leads to a collection of staff members who are belittled and not empowered um, and feel unappreciated. And if they stick around, it's usually because they're desperate, they're lazy, or they're not qualified. So that leaves you with a company um, filled with people that are not doing what you want them to do. So if they are any good in situations like this, they walk away, um, leading to a high turnover. And we've seen many business owners unable to change that mindset and their perception of the employer-employee relationship is really hurting their business because it, it did used to be like that. And I remember I lived in the world where it did used to be like that. And mm -hmm. the relationship between employers and employees changed very dramatically. Um, and so to me- that How does somebody turn that around? That's a mindset change, right? So I'll give you an example um, of a, a good example. We have two new clients um, from this year that are, one is smaller and really grew rapidly. And the other one um, has been in the industry for you know 15, 20 years um, in both in in tech, and they they've never done um, the older company um, used to have an office and now they're all remote. They have people all over the world, and the other company has always been remote, and they've never really done anything uh, social since they've either turned remote or you know they've been remote. Right? They've everything is work related. So now the holidays are coming up. Um, and one of the things that our support team does is that they're planning a lot of holiday events. They're planning team building activities. They're planning, um, you know, holiday gifts for the client teams, things like that. So um, we obviously suggested that we start doing some of these things for these clients. And despite the fact that they personally, the owners personally did not feel that that was something that's necessary to them or that in the in another example, it's just not their personality. They don't like, you know, they're kind of quiet people. They don't like big things like that. They set aside the budget. They listen to the advice. They set aside the budget. We ran a few team building events. Um, we're planning some holiday parties that are super cool. And it leads to a complete change of, of culture in the team. Um, even in my team, uh, this year we had our first offsite, physical offsite together. We all went to Texas and um, did some horse riding and and play shooting and weird things that we've never done before. And it's so funny. I'm going to Texas to meet my team for the first time next week. Texas is a great place. I'm going to, to Dallas. We were in Dallas. We were in a in a ranch outside of Dallas, two hours oh, yeah. outside of Dallas. We're actually doing a annual meeting. We're not, you know, but it's the first time I'm meeting them in person. It's not exactly a, you know, we're having some dinners and stuff, but it's anyway. So these things are super important and it's an investment. And although there is no direct ROI that you can calculate, uh, employees want to feel appreciated. They want to feel like they're a part of something. They want to feel right. connected to the companies. And after we do these things, and these two clients are a great example of that, after we continued um, 
after they agreed for us to to run the um, parties and the events and you know we do games and we do even every every stand-up we ask the question of the week um every week there's a question some silly question of people telling something about themselves their families their can pets, you share it you actually told me the an example right before yeah. we, we started recording can you tell me the uh can you tell us the example yes. of uh, one of the questions which i really well, <laughs> would love to think about maybe not on this show today but i'd love to think about using this question so a couple of weeks ago in one of the, so this company has a stand-up meeting every week and we started implementing the question of the week to give people the ability to talk about something that's not work for a few minutes before the meeting ends. So the question of the week was, if you could choose to be a member of a fictional family, which one would it be and why? And I, as I was sharing with you before, mine was the Adams family. Um, and people had the... Craziest, coolest, like examples, and it was really thought provoking to me. And I was like, "Hey, that's I never thought about that." Um, so my cool Adams person. family example was because I felt, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm, you can't take this really out of me, and I do have a bit of a cynical, um, black humor side to me, and I love that. But secondly, I really like that they're different and they're unapologetic about it. Um, and they just are who they are. And I love that. I love people being able to be who they are. Um, growing up in an industry where I often had to make myself someone else as a woman in tech, in business, in leadership, it was not an easy ride. Um, so I love that. But that was one example of a question. And yeah. we have we have different ones, you know, Name a place in the world that you'd like to go to if you could right now and show us a picture. And there's like different things that we do and ask, tell us a really strange fact about yourself. Um, and people come up with the strangest stories that you will <laughs> never, just never guess about them. And you get to know your teammates. Yeah. Um, and that causes stickiness in the team. Right. That's great. Yeah, I found out about a, a woman in uh leadership team at one of my one of my companies who is uh found out never knew this before she's a longtime coo and executive i realized she's a she's a harley davidson enthusiast has two motorcycles like you know just would have never the kind of stuff that you never know about people known. that you work with yeah so so yeah. going back to that it's how that's how you change the mindset you open you first of all you bring in the experts right not everybody's born uh, a leader and not everybody's born knowing how, or nobody's born knowing how to grow a business. So some people have a fluke and are great at it the first time, but most of us need to learn how to do it. And it takes practice. So bringing in the experts and bringing in the help that can help you, someone who's done this a hundred times can help you. And someone who keeps seeing this, the same thing happen, because really it's very repetitive. Every business is different, but the problems are almost all the same. Um, and and you know this just like I do, right? Because you do this as well. Um, but we we do see people that are very limited by their by their mindset, right? We see we have clients who or business owners that are incredibly attached and loyal to a member of their team, even when they see that that person is harming their business and hindering their growth. Um, and someone who was great at managing a small team 10 years ago may not be capable of managing 100 people now. Mm -hmm. It's not the same skill set. 
And one of the most common reasons for growth processes to fail is when the owners are unable to remove someone um, or restructure their team when someone or a structure has become an obstacle to their success. And we've seen people like this um, cause some real damage, exposing companies to serious liabilities, to lawsuits, to expensive settlements, or even just sabotaging the work of any other leadership that they're trying to bring in to help them grow. And that results in repeated failed cycles of change management with different leaders that they're bringing from the outside. So they keep spending their money trying to, to grow and they emotionally are unable to, and by the way, many of them do recognize the problem, but they still can't part ways. Right. Um, so that's a mindset change, right? Many business owners feel their long tenured team members are family and I, I can identify with that. Um, but what they fail to understand is that one member of the family is hurting the entire family. And also, if that person is not part of your team anymore, it doesn't make them less your friend or less your family. You can still have them in your life, but you have to be able to separate your business from your emotions. I think that's the hardest part um, for many business owners. Yeah, no, that's so that's so true with with longtime team members and attachments um, you know, I've heard the term used as sacred cows, you know, people that you just can't touch, you know, and, and that that's, that's an artificial restraint that creates so many other problems. What? Yep. That you're imposing on yourself, that it's yeah. not coming from the outside. It hurts, it hurts other people too. It's not just, yep. you know, it's not just the business. It's not just the bottom line. I mean, it hurts other people. So it's a great points. And just about focusing on culture is just another example of a mindset shift. And it's just interesting. I would want to just put a fine point on as we close uh, that a lot of your examples and the things that you said, I want to make sure people take this away is having to do with mindset shifts and not, it's not about, Oh, you need a new process or you need a new system uh, in order to manage a growth spurt and not fail or die of indigestion. But, you know, it's a matter of changing your mindset and being more flexible and agile within yourself as a leader about you know what's needed to be successful now and it wasn't the same as it was before 100% you know the the this is how we've always done it is every business's biggest enemy um so yeah that's 100% true and and because like i said you know process and and systems and all of these things um you need to have the the mindset to to implement what you need to implement. You need to be open to the advice. And um, often I'm seeing business owners bringing us in, thinking that they're just going to offload everything over to us and forget about it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to be invested. You have to be involved. You have to enable the people that you bring in, whether it's a fractional person or a full-time person, it doesn't matter. You have to allow them to do what you brought them in to do. And if you're blocking them at every direction because you can't let go of someone that has been with you for 10 years, um, but that person is actively sabotaging your growth, we see that a lot. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. More than we'd like to. Right, 100%. It's great takeaways. Adi, thank you very much. Uh, again, people can look at shibaconsulting.com. Really appreciate you making the time to talk today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time uh, you've taken to have me on here and um, hope to uh, come on here again with a different topic. Awesome. Definitely. And uh, appreciate that. Appreciate you. 
and everybody else will see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.